Thank you for listening to the Motion City Church podcast. We all know that money matters. For our culture, the topic of money and giving is one of the most difficult things the Bible addresses, yet the Bible speaks clearly and abundantly on it. This week, we will explore what the Bible has to say about how we as Christians are called to steward and use our finances for God's glory. Let's listen in. question for you. Hey, a few oh, questions about money for you guys, real quick. I'm Nick in New York. Hello. Nick in New York, we love you. Nick, Nick in New York. York. You're not busy right now, are you? Are you busy right now? Yes. Okay. Sorry. Would you consider yourself a generous person? Are you, sir, are you, he's just totally ignoring me. Are you a generous person? With what I have, yes. Yeah? Yes. I think I'm a very generous person. Moderately so. Not really. No? Do you wish you were a generous person? That would be nice. Well, we are just students, so we don't have a lot of money. So (laughs) can just give it away. Right. (laughs) Personally, I'd recommend going left. All right. We can go straight. Someday, maybe when you are rolling in the big six, seven figures, you'll be a very generous person? Of course. Very cool. Are you generous? I, 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 well, um. Are you Anne Hathaway? Can I get a picture? Are you just lying to me? Are you really her? Oh my gosh. I'm so nervous. Thank you. Can't believe we just met Anne Hathaway. (laughs) When you are generous, why are you generous? Tax benefits, your faith. It usually is because I'm very lucky in life and other people are not as lucky. What goes around comes back around. I think we could end world poverty if everyone was generous. Lord be with us all right now. Define generosity. Generosity. I think America is a true definition of generosity. Really? Yes. Uh, higher tax rates. Generosity is where you are selfless and you give to where it hurts. Yes. Thank you, sir. Ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Nick, you rascal. I was talking to somebody actually at the end of service last week and they came up to me and they were just like almost disturbed and I was like, oh no, what did I do? And, uh, and, and then she goes, I don't understand how he can do that. Like just walk up to total str- and just start, she goes, I was so anxious for him and yet he was not anxious. And so um, and I think really it's just the fact that Nick is a superhero. Uh, so Nick is a superhero. But uh, and once again, welcome, good morning. So glad you're with us at Motion City. We are continuing in our series, Money Matters. Um, and last week we kicked off just talking about the fact that money matters to you, that money matters to me, that uh, money matters. And, uh, and so this morning we're going to be continuing in our series and we're going to wrap it up next week. But I uh, wanted to just tell you a quick story that in 2009, there were three friends, and these three friends had a very unique idea. They had a very unique goal, and they 
revolutionized the way that the world looks at creative and product development and marketing and finance. And, and the idea that they had was really, really simple. The idea that they had is if person A has a really, really great idea, then what they could do is they could uh, directly go to a website, a web source, and they could kind of pitch this idea and then indirectly send it to the rest of the internet in the hopes that person B, C, D, E, F, or G would like the idea enough and, and not so much just like it or be like, hey, that's really cool, but they would like it enough that they would financially back it to see this idea become a reality. And in, in 2009, three friends, Perry Chen, Yancey Strickler and Charles Adler actually kickstarted the website Kickstarter. And if you don't know what Kickstarter is, Kickstarter is a, is a website that you can fund projects, whether it's uh, creative. Uh, they, they funded projects like, uh, like comic books, um, films, uh, games, all these different things. And since Kickstarter's 2009 conception, check this, this is amazing, it has received more than $1.9 billion in financial pledges from 9.4 million different backers and funded almost 257,000 different creative projects. It's amazing, in October of 2012, Kickstarter actually opened up for projects in the United Kingdom, followed by September of 2013, they opened up projects in Canada. In November of 2013, they started projects in Australia and New Zealand. Denmark, Ireland, Norway, and Sweden followed in September of 2014. And in, the, in May of 2015, they started launching Kickstarter projects in Spain. Kickstarter, to say the least, has revolutionized, has changed the game when it comes to creating, developing, and marketing realities that at one time were simply just ideas. It's amazing. And Kickstarter has done such incredible things, but in my opinion, the most important thing that Kickstarter has ever done for you and for me is that it has brought into our world a little game called Watch Your Mouth. If you don't know what Watch Your Mouth is, I have a quick video explaining what it is. So take a look at the screen and I'll be back in a second. So this week I'm back with my siblings and we're gonna play a little game. We've split up into two teams. It's me and Shannon versus Thomas and Keith. We're gonna pick one of the sentences and try and get our teammate to understand what we're saying while wearing this. I'm working on my cheeks. You get 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Hit up higher than so. <laughs> Huh? Shh. Hit up higher than so. Hit up higher than so. Hit up hippopotamus. Huh. Poop. <laughs> the mailman is a tad higher. The mailman is a tad. The mailman. <laughs> Is a head oh, <laughs> The mailman is a dead head. <laughs> the mailman has a has a is a head. Oh, I need a window washing beaver. You need a window washing beaver. Beaver. Yeah! Beaver! I and hey, hey! <laughs> what? Larry and hey, hey! Molly and Haley Poop. <laughs> so here's the deal we're in 2017, Thanksgiving's coming up in November. If you find yourself looking for things to be thankful for, 
You can thank Kickstarter for giving us the wonderful game of Watch Your Mouth. It's, oh, it's so funny. It was, I, I just, all right, here's an entertainment story. So The Office, I talked about The Office already this morning in Growth Track, but does anybody remember The Office episode where um, they're talking about time theft? And Michael goes into the conversation, he goes, when I discovered YouTube, I didn't work for a week. So when I was putting these, mess this mess these messages together, and I came across that video, three hours gone. Like, just laughing. And then I sent the video to Chelsea. And Chelsea goes, I watched all of those videos when they came out. So, um, but, so YouTube, that's yay for you. Anyway, but if you don't know what to be thankful, be thankful for it. Watch your mouth. And um, now, one of the cool things about Kickstarter, this is going back to what we were talking about, but going back to Kickstarter, one of the coolest things about Kickstarter projects, and that the reason I think that they're so popular is that through the process of, of funding or being a part of the funding process, usually what happens is people who fund these projects usually get tangible rewards or experiences in exchange for their pledges. Actually, this model actually goes back almost to medieval times when artists would actually go to specific patrons and ask them directly for finances to that were connected to work. So if you know they would just go knocking on doors, hey, do you want a family portrait? That's fifteen dollars, and or or a chicken, whatever they traded for in medieval times, and then they'll get a picture. Um, it, it's it's an it's an amazing idea. So here's the, here's the thing. So in since two thousand and nine, one point nine billion dollars. Uh, an organization that we love, Feed My Starving Children. It's a nonprofit that's based out of Minnesota. It feeds children in more than 70 countries around the world that deal with extreme poverty and children facing starvation. And again, it's an organization we love and we support and we value. Last year, Feed My Starving Children brought in through, uh, through independent contributions and purchases from their local and online markets a little under $58 million in 2016. The um, Humane Society of the United States, which is an organization that fights animal cruelty, again, something that we are full in support of. We love dogs and cats and gerbils and, and, and don't want to see them abused. We love the Humane Society. In 2015, they brought in as revenue $194,221,364. Now, why do I give you all that information? So as I look over the stats and as I look at the numbers and as I look at the math, here's what I'm able to conclude. Is that we as individuals do not have a problem when it comes to generosity. We do not have a problem when it comes to generosity. We are, in many cases, beyond generous when it comes to the things that you and I find valuable. And yet, in an age of such generosity, what we see na nationwide is that 80% of the churches in America have reached a level of stagnant or they are declining close to closing. 4,000 churches in America close their door every single year. And I actually, uh, as I was putting this message together, had coffee with a church planner who planted a church three years ago, and their last Sunday is today. So we see 4,000 churches closing their doors in America every single year. There are less than half the amount of churches today than there were 100 years ago. 3,500 people leave the church every single day, and since 1950, there are one-third fewer churches in the United States. Now, here's what I know from being in this game a while. It's not because that there are fewer people in this world or in this nation that need to know Jesus. It's, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that we're at a shortage of people who need to know Jesus. And it's not because there's a lack of pastors or churches out there who have great missions and great visions and desires to reach 
the lost with the hope of Jesus and equip followers of Jesus to take action and an active role in, the, in their lives of living and sharing their faith. What I believe is that although we are very generous towards things that matter here, what we are in the process of doing is, is compartmentalizing what it looks like to be generous, and we have begun to lack when it comes to being generous towards things that matter in eternity and for eternity. And we have allowed the local church to slide into, metaphorically and literally, in some cases, bankruptcy. And so this morning, what I want to do with the time that we have remaining, and if you're taking notes, I just want to give you three simple truths as it comes to generosity and giving, because we're talking about the fact that as money matters last week to you and to me, money matters to the local church. And so if you're taking notes, here's, here's, here's point number one. I just want to give you three simple truths. Point number one is this, is that we are not owners, we are managers. We are not owners, we are managers. In Malachi, book of Malachi in the Old Testament, chapter 3, verses 8 through 12, it tells us this. Malachi says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what ways have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. And then he says in verse 10, bring all of the tithes into the storehouse. Now, what, what, what Malachi is saying, in the, in, what he's speaking in this is that as local churches, this is what we practice still today, as you tithe, you tithe into your local church. I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people. It's like, well, you know what, here's the deal. We give, you know, we, we give our money towards this organization or towards that organization. We, we sponsor, uh, we send our kids to private uh, Christian colleges or high schools. So, it, you know, I serve. So isn't that a way of tithing? No, when God is talking about the topic of tithing, he is saying the first 10 off the check that you get. And the first 10 goes back into the kingdom of God through the local church. And so when Malachi is saying, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, he's saying, bring what you have, bring what you're giving, bring what you're tithing, bring it in to the local church. And as I was studying that, man, it's, it's funny because 63% of, of Christians today who, who regularly give and tithe on a regular basis, it's a part of their life, 63% of those who do so regularly started before they were the age of 30. And only 37% start after they're 30. So it's really interesting when we look at the statistics, when we look at the percentages, man, when we make tithing and honoring God with our money, it, as we, when we begin that at a young age, 63% of the people who are still regularly attending church, regularly tithing, regularly giving, they began so before they were 30. So, um, and so then he continues to say, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up, open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. I just say amen to that one. I just say I would love to see us challenge God in this. Because I love what Malachi says. Malachi is, God is ultimately challenging his people. Hey, I dare you. So that maybe didn't matter growing up, but, but dare in, back in the 80s was a big deal. And not so much just the dare, if, if, if all my, my, my children of the 80s are around can say, it wasn't so much, like you could get out of a dare. You can make an excuse out of a dare. But then they double dared you. And so you could even still kind of make a compelling, like, oh, I kind of hurt my knee a little bit. You know, I could, you could still get out of it. But then there was the double 
dog, so yeah, the double dog dare. Someone has either been a part of it or dished it out because Kate knew where I was going. You could, and that was like, man, your foot could be falling off. You are dunking that basketball. Like there is something. And what God is saying is, man, I am double dog daring you in this. Man, test me when it comes to this. Again, we talked about last week, it's so amazing how often we trust God with our eternities, yet we don't trust him with our finances. And what God is saying to the prophet Malachi, he's saying, man, I dare you, test me in this, try me in this, and then see if I don't do something incredible. Because here's, here's an amazing thing about God, and this is, I love this about God, is he's not a God of mediocre. Nothing God has ever done is mediocre. I mean, I just read through Genesis, and I just read about the, the, the creation of the universe and mankind, this, that, or whatever. And I'm like, man, God, I couldn't even. And then I had my first kid, and it's like, God, you do nothing substandard. You do nothing substandard. I mean, the same thing goes when you, t- like, God, he's saying, man, ch- test me in this. Try me in this. I dare you to jump into this and then see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out to you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And then he says in verse 11, he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed. For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. The thing I think is so amazing, and I get so caught up in it so, so quickly, and so I am totally in this with you, is that I think that I'm an owner. When the reality is, I am simply a manager. Another way, a real churchy way that we put it, is we are stewards of the things that God has given us. We are nothing more than simply managers and stewards of the blessings that God has given us. And God promises that if we practice good stewardship, if we practice kingdom stewardship, that he will not just bless us, but he will bless us greatly. But if we disobey, he will allow what we produce to be destroyed. Again, the idea of I don't want my life to simply end with me, but I want the things that God is doing in my life, the things that I'm giving, when I tithe, the things that I'm giving God my money towards, I want it to go beyond simply me. I want it to to stretch into eternity for for not simply this generation, but for generations to come. And, And so here's, I'm not tithing just for me because I like coffee. And trust me, I like coffee. And a church without coffee is no church at all. And so I'm just saying. But here's the deal. I'm not simply giving so that every Sunday Wayne and I can enjoy coffee. I'm giving because I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and I want to see their generation and the generations that come after them be blessed by the favor of God. So we have to lose this mentality of almost like the Kickstarter mentality of, well, I'm going to receive something now. We have to be forward-thinking because I don't want what I produce in my life to be destroyed. I don't want it to be gone once I'm gone, but I want it to live beyond because I don't want it to just simply be about me, and I don't want it to simply be about you. We have to grasp the understanding this morning, today, that you and I, we are the owners of nothing, but we are simply the managers of God's resources. And in so doing that, we have more freedom and more ability to leverage what God has given us for his greater glory, but to also bless others. I mean, at the end of your life, at the end of my life, when I think about it, if I'm, just, if I'm known as somebody who gave God glory and blessed other people, that's a life worth living. That's a good life. 
That's a good legacy, but we have to understand that we're not owners. We're managers. We're stewards of what's God, what, what is God's. Point number two is this. Generosity is a response to grace. Generosity is a response to grace. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 7, the Apostle Paul is writing, uh, yeah, verse 1 through 7, Paul, Apostle Paul is writing to which the church in Corinth, and what he's doing is he is bragging about the churches and the believers that are, that are living in an, the area of Macedonia. And the reason that he's bragging, as we're about to read, is because they, they're in the moment right now living in extreme generosity, while living in, living in extreme struggle and extreme poverty. And even in the midst of their struggle and poverty, in response to the grace that they've received from God through Christ, they are living generously. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 1. It says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first, to, first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to also bring about to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Paul is writing, and he's imploring to the church in Corinth, I, I need you to get this, guys. I need you. I need this fact, this truth to take root in your heart and lived out daily through your lives. That giving is something, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, is something that we get to do because of the grace that we have received. It's a response. It's a life's response to grace. The Macedonians understood what they've been saved from. And they were, we were sinners and Christ saved us. We were going to hell. And now because of Jesus, we get to spend eternity with God, something we could never put a price tag on. So here, God, take all of it. Take everything. We want what's happening in our lives to happen in the lives of other people. So we give so that the message of grace, hope, peace, life, and love could reach others. The church is a benefit not simply to the lives of believers, but what we want the local church to be, what we want Motion City Church to be, is we want it to not just simply be a blessing to the people who come, but we want to be a blessing to the communities that we're, that we're placed in. We want local churches to be blessings to the communities that they're placed in, and so many things and, I, and here's what I know. There's so many things that I want to do. And I've got notebooks on notebooks on notebooks filled with the things that I believe that God has put a dream and desire in my heart, me and Jen's heart, for this church, for this community, to plant more churches. But, but the reality is that due to financial restrictions, we can't. I hate the fact that I have to say no more than I say yes when it comes to the— comes to giving or blessing somebody else. And in 2013, uh, Peter Haas, who's the lead pastor of, of Substance Church and a great friend to our church, he and his wife have been great friends to me and Jen. He wrote uh, an amazing blog 
And for those of you don't blogs were like newspapers, but online they're kind of like outdated now. But they were really cool back in the day. Uh, but they, he wrote a blog, and um, just Google blog, and it'll give you a good explanation. But uh, but he wrote a blog in 2013 about the five economic benefits that having resource, community focused, family friendly, and life giving churches in neighbors neighborhoods and communities do. And I just want to go through these really quick. Um, just because I believe that just the, the statistics and the facts speak for themselves when it comes to who we are and what we want to be and why money matters to the local church, why we, we are so adamant about tithing and giving. Um, but an average-sized church, this is, just, this is just the church and church people, an average-sized church congregation, which is usually between about 200 to 400 members, brings in annually an extra $4.2 million into local area businesses. I thought that was incredible. And then I looked at my bank statement. And I was like, oh, we're probably only about 1.2 million of that because we eat at our local restaurants and drink it a, a lot. It's, it's, it's a problem. Um, so, but, uh, but average-sized churches bring in about $4.2 million annually into local area business for, for poverty alleviation. An average small church invests around $140,000 back into its community when it comes to specifically community, uh, community and outreach-focused events and practices. For large churches, these are churches that are over the 2,000-member mark. Uh, they increase the property value of homes. They actually draw in homeowners. And I thought that was really cool because, man, wouldn't it be great if your property value increased because there was a church in your community? I mean, I love that. I mean, I'm Maybe I'm just the homeowner in the maybe I'm like I would love for my property value for Motion City Church to exist in our community. My property value goes up. That would be fantastic. I would I think that's just so cool. Uh, number four, churches in statistic are statistically proven to decrease crime rates, particularly decreasing levels of assault, burglary, larceny, as well as drug use. And number five, an average-sized church congregation adds community services equivalent to about $115,000 per year. Examples of that would be like elderly care, addiction recovery programs, after-school mentoring, and et cetera, et cetera. These are things, specifically I, when we were praying about the church, man, an addiction recovery program, I would love to be a part of doing something like that. And I was thinking about the after-school mentoring, and, and, and Blake Mays and I, we get to go every Thursday. We get to come back to the here, and we get to work with, with students in an after-school program. I mean, it's like it's so fun to see the things that, I'm dream, that we're dreaming about, like eight years in the process, and then like see little by little, like, like all of a sudden I see the after-school, I'm like, we're doing that. Like, that's fantastic. Like that, I was so excited. And, and, and if I can be honest, because I, I don't even feel like I need to ask that because you guys get more from me than probably you would like. Um, but if I can be honest with you guys this morning, here's the, I would love a really big church. I'm, I'm just being honest. I would love a really big church. I know that it may sound conceited or egotistical, but I would love for Motion City Church to be as big of a church that, that it could be. And I would love for people to know about us. You know what I mean? I, I think I think if, we, if we're all honest, well, they, there's something inside of us that wants to be known. I'm, I'm, I don't think that's just me. I don't think that's just my dreams. But the thing that actually gets me the most excited is not about people knowing us, although, if I, again, if I'm just going to be honest, is, is something that I do think about. But the thing that, that makes the hair on the back of my neck and on my arms stand up is when I get to dream and have discussions with people to see what we could be a part of or what we could be involved in when it comes to giving uh, to local outreaches, to local nonprofits, to church planning and to missions. And you want to see me get excited, man, let's talk about that stuff. Let's talk about the stuff that doesn't, that doesn't take up the, our time on a Sunday morning, man. If, if, if you want to get me excited, I, mean, I, I love talking about church planning. 
I love, I love it so much that, that we had a five-year plan and, and it moved up to a part of our two-year plan where we get the opportunity to plant Matt and Amanda Van Winkle's church in, in, in the Midtown neighborhood coming up in September, and I'm really excited about that. I'm like, I'm so pumped about it. But here's the deal. Like, I'm not, sa- not going to be satisfied with just one. I'll be just totally honest. Like, it's going to be great, but I, gu- I guarantee you the day after they plant, I'm going to be thinking about the next one. Because I don't want to just plant one church next year. I want to plant two. And then the year after that, I want to be a part of planting four. And the year after that, I want to be a part of planning eight. And then after that, I want to be a part of speaking into the churches that we've planted to plant other churches. Because, man, I love addition, but addition's too slow for me. I love multiplication. It's faster. It took a little longer to learn it. Not smart in math. But multiplication is more fun because it's faster. Thank you, Chelsea. But that's what gets the that's what gets my gears turning. That's what gets my the wheels in my brain moving. Not, not man, what could we do to make Motion City Church grip, man? What could we do to make the community better because Motion City Church is here? That's what gets me excited. I want to see our communities thrive because our local church is thriving. I want to see our, our our communities just have everything they need because the local church is being generous. I want to be a part of bringing the message of Jesus Christ to the furthest reaches of the earth and to the hardest hearts in our community. It's, it's, it's what gets me so excited and so amped. And next week is going to be my favorite week of this whole thing, but I'm going to be doing some major vision casting for where I believe God is going to be leading us and what it's going to take to get us done. And so here's the deal. If you want to see me geek out excited, come back next week. And if you want to be a part of this, man, I would encourage you, be back next week because it's, it's, it's going to seem it's, it's impossible. It's all impossible. But this morning, we're going to shift quick to point number three, and then I'm going to just give you guys some information as it relates to our church. But point number three is simply this. An under-resourced church is not proof of an under-resourced God. An under-resourced church is not proof of an under-resourced God. Going back to the beginning of our message this morning, we were talking about Kickstarter. I remember when Kickstarter came out, and I was like, man, that is such a revolutionary idea. That's incredible. That is an incredible idea. I mean, just, could you imagine a world without Watch Your Mouth? Could you imagine your life without that minute and 35 second video? I mean, could you, I mean, how empty and drab it would be? I mean, it's just just an amazing concept that people would say, yes, I am so into this idea that I'm willing to invest my money and my time and my life into see it become a reality without individuals and families buying in to what the product was, it wouldn't come about. And then all of a sudden, it kind of hit me as I was studying for this message is, is man, the, the church had it on Kickstarter way back in the day. It was people and families coming under the mission and the dream and the hope and the desires of their local churches under the mission that God has placed inside of us. It's amazing how we see, again, Kickstarter as a revolutionary idea, but I look at these Macedonian Christians in 2 Corinthians, and it's like, man, there's a person in need here we got it covered. Man, there's people who don't know about Jesus in that community. Man, what, you know what? We're going to resource them. We're going to send somebody because that just can't happen. There can't be people who live within an earshot of this message and not get the opportunity to hear about us. You know what? We'll do it. We'll, we've got to cover. We will give of ourselves so that the message and mission of Jesus could be known, not simply by us, but by every person who has ears to hear and a heart to, and an open heart to understand. 
Man, the early Christians and the early churches were in such submission. They were so under the mission of what God had called us to that they actually put their treasure where their heart was. And as Steve said, and as you hopefully talked about in your discussion questions this morning, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What I want to do this morning is I want to put the same verse up, but I want to take away the pronouns. And instead of your, because I had to do this, if I put my names in the blanks, what would it say? And so this morning we're going to do something a little different. I'm going to wrap up in just a couple of minutes. But what I, it, it's something that I've, I've been battling with all week and almost didn't do it this morning. But I just wanted to give you guys just a, because we have, we've never done an annual business meeting and, and whatever, but I just wanted to give you guys just a quick insight as to where we are as a church financially. Being that we're talking about money, being that we're talking about the fact that, that money it matters, and it does matter to the local church, does, it matters to this local church. just wanted to give you guys, last year in 2016, uh, our average income per month was $9,000. Like, it, that was, it was amazing. So it gave us a $108,000 yearly budget where we were able to support missionaries, we support, support local outreach projects and initiatives. We were able to, to do things at the church. And thus far in, in 2017... What we've seen happen is we have seen that decrease by $2,000. And so now our, our average income is about $7,000. Now, I don't ask about numbers. I don't talk to Jen about them. Um, just because I know my own shortcomings and I would look at people differently. I just know me. Um, so I don't know anything about it, about who gives and how much. But I just know that in 2017, thus far, we are down, which only gives us about an $84,000 a year budget. And so I wanted to give you guys just kind of a quick, uh, just kind of a quick run through of kind of the general things that when you tie the money goes to when it comes to, to Motion City Church. Now we pay about um, $1,750 a month in rent to the Minneapolis School District to rent this building. Um, if we open a door, we, we get charged for it. So we, we use the, the building, we use the parking lot, we use this auditorium, we use, um, a dance studio for our babies and toddlers and, and to save money we moved our kids to a hallway upstairs um, they weren't given enough so we kicked them out of the room that they were in so um, but no so they're in a hallway and um, but so so as you give we have a seven about a seventeen seventeen hundred fifty dollar tab that comes in every month in the Minneapolis school to pay for rent uh, there's about six hundred dollars a month that goes out to administration and marketing um, when it comes to letting people know that we're here because we believe that's important for people to know that we're here. So we do that through marketing and through a lot of the administration costs that go into like, um, like ink and lamination sheets and just all the little things that I didn't realize made a business run until I started my own business. And, uh, and so there's about $600 a month in administration costs and marketing costs. It's about $1,100 that we, that we designate specifically towards outreach, missions, and community connections. Um, because we believe in outreach, we believe in missions, we believe in community connections, both faith-based and non-faith-based. We want to be a part of making our community better. And so we designate um, a sizable portion of our income to that. Um, for wages, for uh, salaries and stipend positions, we 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 have uh, about forty six 
uh, $4,650 a month that go into uh, wages and um, that includes mine and me and Jen's, our paychecks and and the stipend positions that we have in the church. We have about $300 a month that go to equipment, whether it's uh, truck, our, the truck that we use to pull the trailer, when we the stuff that we pay for the trailer, like fuses and tire rotations and tires and wheels and all that sort of stuff, whether it's we have to replace stuff that breaks. Uh, usually that's in the kids' area because they're kids and we love them, and it's, it's, it's a joy to do so, but when we have to replace stuff uh, to host our website to... Um, to you know, for the for the for the online giving, there's a percentage that comes out of that, so on and so forth. So for about equipment, we about three hundred dollars a month. We spend about a hundred dollars a month on City Kids curriculum videos, the projects that they do. That's from birth to fifth grade. Uh, Two hundred dollars a month we pay for in insurance. Uh, that's insurance for our trailer, the physical trailer, the insurance for the equipment in the trailer. Uh, one of the things that the Minneapolis School District was a requirement for us to meet here is we had to pay a liability as part of that insurance in case we were to break something, which we have, so it totally has played into our favor. Um, so, uh, but they've been super cool about it. Um, we lost Taylor for about a week, but that was that was the worst of it. No, I'm just kidding. She had to work in the school. Anyway, um, so $200 a month for insurance. And then there's just about, like, we, we just call it other. Um, you know, when it comes to, like, coffee, when it comes to tea, napkins, stir sticks, cups, cu like, just the, the other things that come along, which gives us about a grand total uh, per year. We have a, of about $8,900 a month, which gives us about 106 about $107 a year budget. And here's the part I hate. Is we're surviving as a church right now. If I can just be honest, we're surviving. Barely. We're not in a position of financial strength. And, and this is why this bugs me. Okay? Because again, we don't serve a God of barely enough. We serve a God of abundance. And again, if we need to understand how much, we, we, we only look to the person of Jesus because God gave everything in one person so that you and I could receive everything that we could never earn nor deserve. And God says, because I love, so, so again, what bothers me is not the fact that our church ha doesn't have, like, the coolest and the best and the brightest and the biggest. That's, that's not my issue whatsoever. But here's what we want to do. Is we want to support more missionaries. We want to fund more projects. We want to fund more, um, more local nonprofits, again, both faith-based and non-faith-based. We want to be a part of making our community and our city and our state the best it can be. We want to plant more churches. We want to equip more pastors. And we don't get to do that if we're barely surviving. I remember growing up not realizing that that tithing directly connected to a paycheck. You know, I had no idea. No idea. I do now, but no, it's like, but it's like, but you know what I mean? Like, there's just so many. Again, it's like I. We went to. I went to Taylor went to a birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> and I almost got physically upset because you know the tickets you win when you play the games and and here's the deal my girl she's a good she's a good whack-a-molist like but here's what I saw I saw you take the tickets and you put them in the machine and it counts the tickets 
and then you get like a receipt now. So you don't just bring 3,000 tickets to the desk like you used to back in the day. Because here's the thing. Those people behind the counter, they need to work. They need to count those 3,000 tickets. But you put them in the machine and it counts them. I was almost getting upset because they weren't recycling the tickets. They were cutting them in half. I was like, what are you doing? We could have used those. Like, we could, like I was thinking, like, we could find something for our church to use those tickets. With, and just, ah, you know? But it's just all the, little, all the little things. And so, again, I don't share any of this with you. Because the last thing I want to do is guilt anyone into giving. Because, again, I believe we give with a glad heart. We give out of a response to grace. And, yeah, this message, this ending is like a total downer, and I totally get it. But next week, next week as we wrap this up, man, please, please, please be here. Because I just, I, with everything inside of me, I, wanna, I, I want the opportunity to share with what I believe God's calling us to. And I don't believe that God is calling us to simply survive, but I do see a church in South Minneapolis that is thriving and making the community better and making organizations better and making the city better because the only thing that I can think about, this is a very Bible thing because I have to end with something Bible, is King David considered a man after God's own heart, even in the midst of his failure, even in the midst of all his mess-ups, the scripture refers to him continually as a man after God's own heart, which is why Israel is often referred to in the scriptures as the city of David. Because David's love for God was so great that they renamed a city after him. What if we were the local church that changed the name of a city? Heavenly Father, thank you so much, God, for your love for us, for your generosity in our lives. God, my dreams are big, and our dreams and goals for this church are, are huge. But God, the amazing thing is you're bigger than all of those. And so God, in this time and in this moment, once again, God, as hard as it is sometimes, I submit this church, I submit our finances to you, God. Father, I ask, God, that we would be a church that doesn't survive, but that we would be a church that thrives both financially and as well as relationally. But God, would you use us to be a part of making a difference in this community, in this city, in this state, in this nation, in the world? God, would you use us beyond our hopes, our dreams, our imaginations? God, would we be generous because of the grace that you've given us? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Motion City Church podcast. We want to be able to walk with you and beside you as you go throughout life. So if you ever have a need for prayer, we want to be able to pray with you. Please email us at motioncityprayer at gmail.com. We would also love to have you join us in person next week. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. at Falwell School of Performing Arts. We hope you have a fantastic week.